Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. My next guest is Alex Wish. Alex is a leading peak human performance and executive flow coach, and he's worked with top industry leaders to optimize their businesses, maximize their productivity, create sustainable performance, improve their health, and elevate their leadership skills. In addition, he's helped companies turn ideas into multi-million dollar revenue producing opportunities, along with assisting large corporations to target strategic partnerships and investors. Outside of business, Alex is an outspoken mental health advocate. He does yearly fitness feats to raise awareness and money for mental health. In May 2021, Alex wore a 24-pound vest and completed 1,000 pull-ups, 2,000 push-ups, and 3,000 squats in six hours and eight minutes, while raising $37,000. In May of 2023, Alex is planning to break the world record for most vertical feet rock climbed in 24 hours being over 29,130 feet. Once again, his goal is to raise awareness around the stigma of mental illness and raise money for veterans' mental health. Why mental health advocacy? Prior to Alex's successes, he battled over eight years of crippling major depression that left him on disability, unemployed, and penniless. Doctors told him he should accept his situation and move on because they believed there was little hope he would get better. With a lot of grit, Alex defied the odds and soared out of the ashes into a life filled with unique accomplishments. Take a listen. Hi, Alex. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's dive right in. Describe your experience with mental health and how it showed up for you. Yeah, so for me, mental health, before I really knew the depth of mental health, I would say back when I was in high school, I used to always have a little bit of a seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I realized at the moment, but looking back during the winters, I would definitely be a little less social and more focused on academics mm-hmm. and my sports. Um, but when you fast forward from that point, going into college where there was a lot more stress, um, I also had ADHD and a learning disability. So there was also a lot of academic stress. Mm-hmm. I hit a burnout point going into my sophomore year. Freshman year, um, I had this kind of perfectionistic attitude where I had to get a 4.0 GPA and then kind of really hit the edge there. Um, and then going into my sophomore year, around right in... Uh, when was it? I think it was in um, February. I literally woke up one day that I actually remember very well the day before. Um, and that next day I woke up and I felt like my my life was flipped upside down. I actually, from that point on, just had kind of suicidal ideation, um, couldn't focus, was really, really struggling. I was a big sailor and I tried sailing in a, a national event and I just had thoughts of just wanting to end my life doing something I absolutely loved doing. Mm. Um, and that's when I, I went home and really tried to tackle and, and understand what I was going through. And what helped you understand? I mean, you were at, were you pre-med? So I, I was originally at University of Pennsylvania. Right. Um, and I was doing pre-med with a gold majoring in psychology. 
Okay. And as you were doing this, more more issues came up for you, and and then you had to stop, and then you went home. What did what happened then? After I went home. Mm-hmm. So when I went home. I mean, I, I left school for, for a couple of reasons. I left school because the depression, but also right. I had a doctor that was treating me originally for being bipolar, um, never had a manic episode, but in my family, there was, there was questionably a family history of bipolar. So I was given a lot of um, anti- antipsychotics, sure. mood stabilizers, which made it even more difficult actually at that point um, to study and work. Sure. So I left school, went home, um, worked with a doctor and went into a residential program, um, like a day program Mm -hmm. and worked on learning cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. well, as also kind of traveling that route of understanding, um, what medications may be helpful in getting better. So when this was happening to you, what was going on in your mind and around you, like family, and what did support look like at that point? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it was it was pretty scary. Yeah. Because the idea of, the best way I'd like to say it is, is depression, well, mental health is a spectrum in general, okay? Right. On, on one end of mental health, you have peak performance. On the other end, you have mental illness. And then when you look at mental illness, within that, there's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people dealing with different challenges, diff- different illnesses. Sure. And then if you look at what I was eventually confirmed diagnosed with m- many years later, but if you look at like depression, even within depression, depression's a spectrum in itself where- Absolutely. There can be situational, there can be genetic pieces. There's a lot of things that can go on and it's so individualized. And for me to never ever have had any thoughts of wanting to end my life before and basically feel like this kind of came upon me all of a sudden. And in the best way I like to put it is, um, there's actually a book I'm, I'm working on and, and the title of the book is um, Death by Pretzel. And the reason I titled it that way is because during this point of my life when I was going through severe depression, I was sitting watching a movie, um, I think it was Pitch Black with Van Diesel. And, and I'm sitting there watching this movie and, and he, you know, beats up some guy with a tin cup. And, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there eating these little stick pretzels. And my mind is so dark and depressed that I'm literally looking at a pretzel and asking, like looking at it and being like, how can I end my life with a pretzel? Now there's, there's no uh-huh. rational thought around that. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of really dives into how dark depression and how confusing it can be. So for me to go back and say, you know, it was a very scary and confusing point in my life. Indeed. And how are you treated at that point, not just by doctors, but by everyone close to you, kind of not knowing. So the evolution of this, um, in my situation, like, like I started off going to this, um, day program and then I eventually went into the hospital, went in inpatient. Mm -hmm. The first time I was inpatient, I was probably in there for about a month and a half, um, Mm -hmm. an inpatient unit, good amount of time. Um, 
And there, there were, after that, there were following, there actually were more hospital stays that I put myself in the hospital because I kept struggling. Now, with family, families challenging all around. I mean, you have the person that's dealing, you know, with the struggles, their challenge, and the family members, a lot of times there's frustration because they don't know how to help. Um, there's confusion. In my situation, because it, it wasn't my diagnosis. It was obviously I was depressed, but there was some family history of different things. So things weren't really clear. At some points there was questioning on my part, like if I just decided to stop trying in life. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, that's, that's also a big misconception for a lot of people. I mean, and in the, the way is, you know, you don't go from, I mean, you, you can, but I, I was a very, determined athlete and, and student mm -hmm. to becoming a person who was struggling getting out of bed every day and, and taking showers and brushing my teeth and getting done to what I wanted to. But, but there was a lot of um, lack of understanding. And also it came from a family where my father was a doctor and him being a doctor, he has a certain understanding of medication sure. and how things should work. But when you're also taking medication for psychiatry, side effects can be pretty intense and extremely different for different people. Oh, they can be brutal, for sure. They can be brutal. And so there was a, a bit of, I would say, lack of validation in some situations what I was going through. Um, and also growing up in, in Wellesley, uh, a suburb where a lot of people put a lot of pressure on appearance, mm -hmm. there was this, another concept of you're going through this, you really can't tell anyone, or the idea that if you're taking a medication and someone found out like a, a like a, um, if for a potential job, like it would affect your career. So there was a lot of that tension and a lot of that stigma um, when I was going through this. And how did you manage, how did you manage that with the secrecy and the darkness and, you know, all these challenges where no one really is talking to you about it, they're talking at you. It sounds like being a patient, but I don't know if you felt more than just a patient. How were you treated? That's a, I mean, for me, you're, you're asking a lot of great questions. For me, a lot of, because I wasn't finding relief in a lot of different treatments, and, and I was going through therapies, different treatments, all the above. Sure my life just became an everyday survival. Sometimes it was survival upon, you know, getting, getting to the day. Sometimes it was getting to that hour, sometimes minute, sometimes second. Sure. And there was times I remember there was days on end where I had just constant intrusive suicidal thoughts and I just couldn't escape it. And that's why I kept myself in the hospital just because I just, I just did not know what to do. Um, I mean, you could have killed yourself. That's what you could have done. But something yeah. about you, Alex, and again, we'll we'll get to grit in a minute. But there's something about you that's so determined. This pretty high level athlete, determined student. All of this kind of came with you before all of the mental health stuff happened. And and so there was a story, wasn't there, about you bike riding? Yeah. Uh, right. What what was going on there? So yeah, so, so fast forwarding, being in the hospital, residential, um, going through a lot of different treatments, a lot of different doctors, 
given multiple diagnoses, I mean, the reality is a lot of things were going on. Um, at one hospital stay, a social worker made a recommendation and I had very little say. I mean, I, I was in the hospital, you know, cognitively, it wasn't a great place. Depression wise, mm -hmm. it wasn't a great place. And the only advocate I had was really my folks who at this point in time, you know, it, I, I was a bit of a, I mean, it was a challenge to be around me because I was so depressed and there was a lot of hardship there. Going home was, was no longer an option um, within my parents' perspective. And so the social worker recommended a residential facility um, called SLS out in Brewster, uh, Brewster, New York. Now, there wasn't, um, we were misled to what it was. Um, me going there, dealing, dealing primarily with depression, this place was a place a lot of times, um, a lot of people were, were court mandated to go. Um, individuals were dealing with pretty, I'd say like at the far end spectrum, um, personality <laughs> disorders. It, it was a bit of a different setting, but mm -hmm. the, the treatment of the staff too was very um, dehumanizing. I mean, they did things with restraints, they did things with like the lawns of punishments and there was a lot of mocking the patients or discrediting them or you know this lack of well just because you have de like depression mental illness we're not going to believe you um so there was a lot of mistreatment at this facility <sighs> and even at one point when i was struggling um uh, and i mentioned i was struggling the protocols of of the the city of brewster was please come they handcuff you and then they take you to a county hospital and it wasn't even if you showed to be a threat, it was if there was any discussion of like, hey, you know, you're having thoughts and don't want to live. Mm -hmm. I was calm, I was collect, mm -hmm. but it was still, you get handcuffed back of police car off, back of the police car to a county hospital oh, that, um, yeah, then the county hospital literally give their patients held all mm -hmm. during the time the nurses changed stuff. When the, when the nurse change happened, it, it wasn't a great situation. So Sounds awful. Speeding up though, I had to get out of that place. Um, and you know, I, I called my, there, there wasn't a, there wasn't understanding from my folks. They thought that, you know, I was just complaining and making things up. Mm -hmm. Um, again, it comes down to that stigma and I ended up walking and I stood on top of a bridge over a train track. And as I stood on top of that bridge, you know, I, I thought to myself, I have two options. Option one is to jump. Mm -hmm. Now, if it was high enough, what would happen? Who would have knows? But the intention there was not to live. Sure. And because I knew that I would not, I was not going to get better here. And, and it was an absolute living hell. Mm. Option two was to do something so different than anything I've ever done that was going to change the path and trajectory of what was going on. And to me, that was kind of a, a monumental um, transition where I made a decision to get to a, a facility that was a little more holistic. Mm -hmm. It was a hospital based, but a little more holistic where I could get there and at least regroup and reassess and try to get some, some advocacy and support. Mm -hmm. um, wow. I walked, uh, let's say this journey started around 5 p.m., the one thing I owned at that time was a bike. So I walked two hours, got a bike, um, 
one of the staff counselors I was friends with or somewhat close with, and I got a flashlight, I got a pay-as-you-go phone, and I got a printout of MapQuest. And um, because I couldn't verbally tell them that I was having suicidal ideation, because if I did, I would get handcuffed, brought back to the county hospital, and I would have to lie to get out again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that wasn't a solution either. So I got on my bike and this, you know, I still haven't looked up how many miles it was, but it was like, (laughs) I mean, this, this was a journey and this was through like the boondocks of, of New York. And I got on my bike and I rode and I rode to these dirt roads in the woods. Um, There got to a point where there's no cell service. There was no street signs. And I just kept riding to what I thought was the right direction to go in. I got to a point where my bike um, chain broke. So the bike kind of became less useless, but it was the only thing I owned at the time and I didn't want to give it up. Mm-hmm. There's something something about me about this bike that was very symbolic. And so I'd ride it down the hills and walk it up the hills. And then the tire went flat. And so now it was really Jeez. a useless bike. Yeah. But I kept going and I didn't really you know, I, I kind of had this gut feeling um, and this kind of hyper-focused and like life or death where mm-hmm. I was just so focused at getting to this end where eventually at four in the morning, so again, I, I left five, got my bike at seven, rode from seven to four in the morning, I got to this hospital. And at that point on, I got there and that's where a big shift in my life happened. One knowing that someone like me who's going through challenges could regroup and, you know, do this journey to do multiple hours that a lot of people couldn't do if they were doing well. No. (laughs) But two, um, it it gave me some confidence in that maybe perhaps there's more control in my situation than I realized. So did that afford a degree of hopefulness for you? I think, you know, getting there to the place, I think there was... Yes. I think the simple answer is, is, is yes. I think, I think anything I could hold on to at that moment in time with what I was going through, um, even the slightest bit of hope mm-hmm. gave, gave me something, something to push forward into and yeah, something to push forward with. And so with your time at this new place, what was that like for you there? Yeah. So, so was this place, it, it was like a, um, what was it? It was like a campground almost. Um, this kind of outdoorsy kind of hospital setting. It was the same. I mean, it was, you know, they have, um, they had, they had a patient unit for when you're going through challenges and, you know, medication wise and therapy and all that. But there was also a a lot more, uh, the aspect of being treated more like a human and, Mm -hmm. and not like, uh, a prisoner. Let's Mm -hmm. just just say it that way. Sure. Um, but I was able to get there, have people, unbiased from where I came from and be able to kind of negotiate on my behalf to my folks or, you know, just to kind of create like what's the next step strategy to get me out of Brewster, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. New York. Now, one other quick note, Brewster, the SLS place about a month and a half after I left was shut down by the board of mental health. Wow. So because of the severe mistreatments, it was actually shut down by the board of mental health. And there, there was a lot of things that I want to get half the stuff they're doing. Um, 
but it gave me a place where I could create a bit of a game plan to try to gain back, to try to get control or get some control over my life. Um, and let me just rephrase that for a moment. During a lot of my depression, I thought that I was broken. Broken in a way where I needed some medication, some treatment that was going to fix me. Like that was the end all solution. And that was like my only focus. And there's this idea where you have like this external locus of control, meaning like mm -hmm. the things around you are controlling your situation. And I put so much emphasis on that, mm -hmm. that I took away any control I actually had on the situation. So going to, you know, this other place um, that was a little more holistic and, you know, treated you humanely, mm -hmm. I was able then to start realizing, you know, things in my life that I had control over that I could potentially work on that might make things 1%, half percent. I mean, I would take 0.05% at better, that point. You know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where the shift really started. That's incredible. I mean, again, this is, you mentioned grit, you know, and determination and, um, in, on your website and what you do, which we'll talk about shortly. Tell me about what, grit meant to you then going through all of this and I think all the variety of treatments beyond just medication as well um, and writing and walking that far um, and advocating for yourself almost in silence but purely behavior and you're driven um, how was that then to the grit you have now because you have a lot of it you really do I, I, I appreciate that um... I mean, to me, grit in my past, and, and the meeting has has shifted some, more to a little more of a balanced meeting. Grit was, it got to the point to do whatever it took at all costs in order to achieve some specific goal, right? Mm -hmm. And perhaps in that situation, that goal was getting to that place that I wanted to get to on the bike or before then, I mean, grit can also work against you. I mean, it, it was, I had such a fixation on some sure. medication treatment that was going to fix me that it gave me tunnel vision towards the things that I could actually be doing on a given day to really help me, right? Sure. And as, as things shifted, you know, what grit became more of, which, which I call grit like a combination of perseverance and purpose, mm -hmm. um, it, it also evolved into this idea of stepping outside of the situation just from an outside perspective and seeing, what would I say, from an outside perspective, seeing the, I'm gonna, I'll use the word balance, you know, with, with grit, meaning like, it isn't really all or nothing. In fact, there, there are some times in order to, better way to put it, when I realizing that grit is not necessarily the end all be all way from to get from point A to point B, all right? Meaning that the more sure. efficient way is to apply grit, but it's also not just the grit to keep pushing yourself, but there's the grit to recover. You know, mm -hmm. there's that grit 
there's also the grit to, you know, to perform your best at your worst. Um, mm -hmm. So it's knowing that there's like different kinds of grit and it's knowing that, you know, it's not, it's less of a, of a linear line and more of a maybe wavy line that might mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. other um, interactions and, and things that need to be adjusted along the way. It sounds a little bit kind of what you were talking about with depression and diagnoses. There's this spectrum, right? Yes. Of yeah. Grit. Um, and having survived this, would you consider yourself a survival? You've survived mental health. Would you? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I, I mean, I asked myself, you know, the question is, how did I keep myself alive? Yeah. And there was a lot, there was a lot of times where, um, I won't get into too much of it, but I mean, it was harder than hard, you know, the, the hundred out of 10, I'd say, you know, just, just getting through, getting through some of those seconds. Um, but, but I consider myself hundred percent a survivor, um, of, of mental illness. Yes. And, and also an advocate and we'll get that to that too. Um, when we talked previously, it was, it was a great conversation. Um, what is your relationship? And I spoke to you about this before. What is your relationship with depression now? Yeah, that's a great question. I, so before, I mean, there's a couple different ways to put this. My relationship with depression, one depression with, I still, what, what I explain to people is I've overcome the challenges of major depression. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I still have depression and there's a part of me that has an aspect of radical acceptance, mm -hmm. which makes it less, which creates less resistance. And it's not that I'm saying, Hey, like I'm still going to battle with depression the rest of my life. Like I'm still working on ways to improve my depression all the time. Mm -hmm. but it's not a constant obsession, a constant focus on an everyday level. I'm going, I'm living my life. Some mornings I wake up, I feel good. Some mornings I wake up and I don't feel great. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a little more of, of a relationship and acceptance of some things I'm dealing with and being okay with that right now. Um, I think being okay with that. But yet again, you know, also moving towards, you know, a full remission, um, which which would be phenomenal, right? But, you know, <laughs> For sure. Uh, but you know, I'm 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 not I'm not a hundred percent there. But yet, I've also been able to get my functioning very very high, and I've been also very successful in a lot of different areas. So it's the idea to you know one thing just kind of build off this. It's learning that regardless how you feel or the idea that if you don't feel great, you might as well do something productive or that gives you a, at least a slight, a slight bit chance of making you feel better. Right? So if you're, sure. if you're lying, if you're lying in bed, you don't feel good. A lot of times, you know, what, what I saw with other people or what I had was you stay in bed because you don't feel good. But with depression, mm. if you go out, like, like it's, it's kind of like, you know, you're picking your heart. It's, it's hard to lay in bed and be depressed. That's hard. And it's also hard to get out of bed, bed and do something that might add a positive thing, you know, to your life. It's a different type of heart. So it's choosing your heart. But that second one, 
is a hard that can potentially make you feel better. And when you do feel better, you're going to be off to a running start. I love that. It's like choosing your hard and making you feel whether that 0.05% better, it's better than 0%. And I would say this to other folks too, is if you can make it suck less, great, (laughs) right? So that's fantastic how you know, this relationship is probably pr- uh, progression, right? This, there's nothing static about it. Um, if there was, if you would, and I ask folks this too, if relationship to depression, if depression was a teacher for you, okay, if, it, if depression was a coach for yeah. you, what do you think you would learn? What have you learned the most from this teacher? I would say, one of the biggest things i've learned is no matter how bad the situation is no matter how bad it is things can always get better they may never be perfect and it may never be absolutely amazing but things can always 100 percent get better and there's always something that can be done something there's always something that can improve your situation that's that's something i've learned and and you have to be very open-minded, oh, yeah. um, very open-minded. And sometimes, honestly, it's, it's less about when, when it comes to mental health, you know, we know more about the universe than about the brain. Yes. And it's the science is, is great in some concepts, but when you find things that, that work, you know, sometimes you don't know why, but they just work and you got to lean into it a little bit. And what is working for you now as, as this progression of trying to reduce, you know, obviously reduce um, some of the struggle and always knowing that there is a better way, there's always something you can do to shift, whether it's an inch or a foot or a mile. Um, what things work for you these days? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's been a combination of a bunch of things. There hasn't, there, there, there never was one, there never was that silver bullet that, that fixed my situation. Oh, damn it. I was hoping you would give us the cure. So, um, you know, for some people it can be simpler and sometimes there can be a few things, but Mm -hmm. it's a combination. And, you know, I'll also say that I'm not just one who, you know, is about being, um, you know, better and just feeling okay. I'm, I'm also one about, you know, how do I perform my best on a given day? Right. So mm-hmm. that that's also evolved a lot of ways. So for me, you know, I do take medication. Um, I don't think medication in any situation is, is the solution, but I think it for some people in certain situations, sure. it can definitely create a base and be a little bit of a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the medications and, and doses and some of these small doses, I take a few different medications are like, don't make sense to doctors and that doesn't matter to me, but it helps me a little bit and that's all I need. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, you know, there's a lot of things I had to do in my life. Like I, cut, I haven't had caffeine for eight years. Oh no my caffeine. God. Wow. Um, no, I don't even do chocolate because as caffeine, I don't do decaf. I do 0% caffeine. Now I'm not saying that's a solution for everyone, but there are certain things for me that I found that kind of really disrupted my mood and left me worse. Mm. And so certain things out of my diet and what I consume helped. Mm-hmm. Um, nutrition wise, like now I actually, um, 
in my home, I grow a lot of my own produce. Mm, awesome. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it, I, I got into that because it motivated me to eat more green. So like nutrition, balanced diet, like eating green vegetables, like all those little things helped being consistent with sleep. Um, exercise was a really big one for me because it, it gave me an outlet, but it also made me feel good. And there's a lot of good research about over time, how that can help the brain. Um, there's things with BGNF. Um, in addition to all of that, my job, I mean, becoming a little more at peace or I guess understanding, or I guess I'm more, I created a, I created meaning around my depression. I, and I created, I created a positive meaning around my depression. Um, you know, originally I was kind of like, you know, why, why would this happen to someone? Like what, Mm -hmm. what's the purpose of this? Like what, why something so horrible? But I took it, you know, and now I'm a huge advocate. I share my story. Um, I do these fitness feats and I have larger goals to really change the system that helps me make sense of my depression (laughs) to a degree (laughs) and almost appreciate some parts of it. Um, because I have a very different, unique experience that I can kind of bring into this world and help others with. And that by itself is a huge antidepressant for me. I mean, that has a very big antidepressant effect. Purpose. It's, it's the idea of having a purpose in life, I would say, mm-hmm. can really, you know, help logically get you out of the, get you out, out of bed in the morning, get you moving throughout the day, make sure you're showing up at work. But that purpose was, was a really big key. Absolutely. And, you know, that shifts chemistry in your brain and all of that kind of stuff to experience purpose. And speaking of purpose, share a little bit about what you do now and how that led you into the field you're in. By the way, people don't know this. Alex is like an elite athlete. I don't know if you would describe yourself that, but some of the things that and please share a little bit about some of your advocacy work too, what you did in 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 May of 2021 and what you want to do now in May of 2023 coming up. Um, would love to hear that part too. Sure. Well, let's start off because you, you kind of rolled into the, the fitness world. Yes. Um, and a big part of me is, is mindset. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do coaching. I coach athletes, individuals. I coach CEOs, mm-hmm. executives, right. companies. Um, I do things aligned with business, but I also mix in holistic health, you know, um, sleep, a lot of different skills, building confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, I, I really focus on mindset. I work with um, anywhere from professional athletes, CEOs, executives, sure. entrepreneur businesses. Um, I do stuff with business development, but a big piece is mindset and overcoming challenges, adversities. Um, a lot of the people I actually start working with in the business world are people that are going through burnout or maybe they, they're running a couple of businesses and they're going through a bad divorce or other challenges. And all of a sudden they, you know, they were a person that would just get up and automatically get work done and, <laughs> and, you know, didn't really have too much friction in their life, but then, you know, slowly and surely they're struggling getting out of bed. They're having days they're not getting anything done. Um, so I do a lot of coaching with those individuals too, and bring a lot of what I learned in my past mm-hmm. with CBT. And transition more into helping them build their business or or athletes. I've worked with, um, I worked with recently like Josh Levin, an American Ninja Warrior, helped wow. him mentally get past mm-hmm. a barrier um, on stage two, and he made it to the final. One of one of the four people made it to one of the final stages um, 
in the finals. So do a couple different things. On the fitness side, I've always been big into fitness. It's always been an outlet. And one great thing about fitness for me is regardless of how bad you feel, there's always some type of movement you can do. You can always dial it down. You can always dial it up. And even like with depression, like I found that my brain wouldn't always, you know, it would be hard to sometimes read. It'd be hard to, you know, learn or do normal things. Sure. But if I were able to do some exercise, there'd be chances I could see a little progress, maybe getting a little stronger in some area of my life, mm-hmm. like physical. So it'd give me some, some hope towards physical movement. Now I've done a bunch of different sports, um, anywhere from, I did professional sailboat racing at one point I raced internationally and also course racing. Wow. Um, and so I, you know, I kind of branched out pushing out of my depression and, and jumped into all different sports. And when the pandemic hits, and there were not, there was nothing to compete in. I basically was like, okay, there's nothing to compete in right now, but I need to keep myself motivated. What's the craziest thing I can make <laughs> that I can train for that? Let's just say there's some slight chance I could finish. And I came up with the idea, um, to do a thousand pull-ups, 2000 push-ups, and 3000 squats. And on top of that, wear a 24-pound vest. Good God. Okay. I'm tired <laughs> just listening. That's exhausting. Wow. Um, and I decided <laughs> to do this. Yeah, and I decided to do this in the winter. And this was the, I guess it was the winter of, uh, this was going into, what are we? We're in 20, this is going to 2021. Right. And actually, that December, I actually, three days after I decided to do this feat, I actually tore my abductor and my lower abdominal. It was a slight tear, uh, um, mm-hmm. but that didn't stop me. I still was figuring out ways to train around that. But yeah, so, so I trained for this fitness feat, um, figured out my own training, put it together, raised money for mental health. Um, for this one is particularly veterans mental health was just uh-huh. an area I shifted towards. Um, <clears throat> a, lot of, a lot of veterans challenging, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of veterans going through challenges during this time. And I partnered with Spartan, and um, yeah, I went out. It was like 40, it was, it was uh, Men's Health Awareness Month. It was a, this was in May. And it was about 42 degrees out, freezing rain. God. had my 24-pound vest. And I ended up finishing it about six hours and eight minutes. Wow. That's incredible, right? I mean, that sounds incredible to me. Yeah. That is really yeah. amazing. And people, you know, the, the one thing I'll say is everything I've been through, and, you know, outside of the coaching, I also do investing and I've done certain business deals and I've tried things and pulled things off that, you know, people are just like, well, how'd you do that mm-hmm. kind of mentality? When I, when you've been at your lowest of lows, the one advantage that it's given me is I know I will never get back to that low again. No matter what happens to me, I will never, ever get back to the level of low. So, you know, for example, in the business world, I did some investments that really paid off, but I knew if I lost all my money, not saying this is the best idea, <laughs> but if I lost all my money, I still will never be as low as I was in the past. Right. Wow. And during mm-hmm. these fitness feats, you know, I'm going out there and when you're doing these hard fitness feats, there, there's pain associated with it. Right. Oh, there's yeah. suffering. But the point is I'm choosing that pain and suffering. And to me, that's a privilege in a way. And it's still nothing like physical, that physical pain is nothing comparison 
to the mental anguish I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what gave me the strength just to be like, it, it put things comparison when I do these fitness feats. Um, oh, yeah. It, it just keeps things in perspective. Like in the recovery world, when people are recovering from substance use and addiction, it's, there's no scientific terminology for this other than, you know, people call it rock bottom. And it reminds them where they don't ever want to go. And that's what it sounds like for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, I don't ever want to go, but I've also created and learned a lot of skills that, you know, I think there's a lot of things externally that could happen to me. And I don't think I'll end up as low as ever, as I've been in the past. Um, Right. You know, there's always chances things that happen, but you know, I'm pretty confident in that level. And, uh, you know, just to kind of move forward on the fitness feed thing. So the goal is to do it every year. Um, this one, we, we kind of, things got pushed out this year from injuries, but going into May of next year, mm-hmm. I decided to do something a little more ambitious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying for world record in rock climbing to climb the most vertical feet in 24 hours. Now, you probably asked me why rock climbing. Well, there's probably a thousand things going through your mind. Yes, in fact, but let's, we'll go with that one. <laughs> Why so, <laughs> rock climbing? So mental health, and this is something I didn't mention. One of the biggest things that really helped me to get better was community. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest flaws with the mental health system is community. Um, now, when you become a patient in the system, and if you're getting, you know, going in now the hospital or residential, in the beginning, and this is just my belief, and, and we'll get back to the rock in a second, there is a positive thing to be around other individuals who are struggling because it can make you realize that you're not alone. Right. But when you get to a certain point and all you're around are other people that are struggling, mm. you start adapting each other's behaviors and you start forgetting what it's like seeing actual peers that, that are excelling or are doing well. So that's a big, to me, a big flaw in the system. And I have some ideas of in the future, how I'm gonna improve that. But so for me, getting better, um, there's a place in Boston, because Boston's where I live, um, or just outside of Boston, Somerville, it was called Brooklyn Boulders, now Boston Bouldering Projects, and it was a rock climbing lifestyle facility. Hmm. And when I first got back into a job, I did personal training there. And I would leave my home every day, first thing in the morning, I'd go to that gym, I would stay there all day, and then at the end of the night, come home and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I would just repeat that every single day because me being at home was just not a good idea. It just would lead to depression, so I just right. stayed at the house. But being around those people, it was like osmosis. And it didn't happen overnight. It took weeks, months, years. But understanding, like getting back into socializing, socializing people that, you know, that you know put wellness, nutrition, and health and fitness on a on a, on a pedestal. Right. Uh, you know, it really helped me get better. So the reason rock climbing for me, I mean, I think there's symbolism when you're climbing out of that hole into that you know that, yes. that utter <laughs> top of that Mount Everest, which I'm literally climbing. I'm gonna literally be climbing higher. Higher than, than that. Up. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> but but the setting of which I'm doing this is the place of what really gave me some sturdy um, base in my life and really helped me pull me out of my depression. So there's a lot of symbolism there. Oh, I think that's beautiful. There, there's some 
some poetic justice there. Um, and that'll happen in May. And, and so I have one more, another question for you. Um, if there is someone similar going through what you did, some deep depression or some pretty significant mental illness without a lot of words around it, um, but feeling so down, what would you share with them? Yeah, um, I think there's a, there's a couple things. I mean, one is, you know, every dawn brings new opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, and that means for me, regardless of what you're going through, new opportunities as in new, maybe new opportunities to, to do things along the line of treatment, therapy, care, um, new opportunities to feel a little better, but as long as you keep yourself alive, for another day, there's still hope things can get better and improve. And you just kind of got to hold on to that day-to-day -day basis. And also, like I said earlier, there's so much about mental health that we don't know. And again, for me, like the, my mentality came to, well, if I, if I can just stay alive and maybe, maybe I have to push through another week, month, or maybe it's longer, they're going to learn more and more. And eventually they'll find a way that can help me. Right. So at the very basis, you know, it's, it's staying alive and seeing each day and getting through it. And then also every little thing adds up. It's every little thing. It's, it's the sleep, you know, it could be, you know, the nutrition, you know, talking to someone, um, you don't have to like be going to the gym. It could be going for a walk. It could be simply just walking in the morning to the front of your door and getting sunlight. But every little thing you do in a day, it adds up. It's not black and white. So, and then and the last part I would say is with my story, uh, you know, I, I ended up with like eight different diagnoses. Um, it was, it was not, so I was, when I saw doctors, I was given, you know, multiple diagnoses, um, anywhere from autism to negative symptoms of schizophrenia to personality disorders to all sorts of things. Right. And I also got to a point where I was seeing some really renowned specialists and they literally told me that because I, I had this innate level of, of determination. They told me, Alex, like, this is the quality of your life. And they said, like, you need to start accepting that move forward. You're going to be on disability. Cause I was on disability and I actually got off disability. And they said, you need to start accepting that. And so, so I came from a place where doctors literally thought and some of these top doctors thought I'd never get better. And I did get better and it was not easy. It was really, really hard mm -hmm. to get better. Mm -hmm. But if I can do it and if you're out there, you can do it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. And I always accept people send me messages. And if they always want to reach out for help, you know, that's something I'm, I'm always happy to message back and share mm -hmm. some thoughts. But uh, yeah, just, you know, keep moving forward. Keep trying to try different things, see what's helpful. It's not just one solution. It's going to be a bunch of different things that are add up to be helpful. But, uh, you know, don't give up. Never, never, ever give up. There's always hope. I think that's a beautiful way to, to end that because I, one of the things that keeps repeating in my head is choosing your heart, I think is great. And knowing that you, there's always something that can 
be better. It, and whether it's better or it can suck less or whatever, there is always an option. Um, like you mentioned, you are found on LinkedIn. Is there other places where people can find you, Alex? Yeah, so I mean, again, the main thing I do is, is LinkedIn and, and my last name is W-I-S-C-H, Wish. So it's Alex Wish. Um, on the fitness side, I do some stuff on my fitness journeys more on Instagram and IG, and that's Wish, W-I-S-C-H dot F-I-T. Those are two of the main areas. Um, and if you're interested in, in coaching, um, you know, I, I talk to some people who get really stuck in the mental health space. Sometimes I have conversations and do a little consults. I'm not a doctor nor a therapist, but sometimes there's a little bit of creativity or just some outside problem solving come into and help out and work with also, um, you know, individuals in the business world. Uh, my website's wishfit.com. You can also just type in wish.com works. But awesome. those are called very cool well i want to thank you so much for sharing your story um and that's extremely inspiring i wish you the best um moving into the new year especially in may when you're going to will you you will climb higher than mount everest uh, clearly very very determined so again thank you so much for your time Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast, Fuck Yesterday, Focus on Today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting, and you can find my podcast on Amazon, Apple, and Spotify. Also, you can find me at my website at www.reddoorcc.com. You can email me at mhennon at reddoorcc.com if you're interested in transformational coaching. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.